Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we will be exposing the elephant in the room, exploring the why behind defiance or hurt feelings, and embracing a new perspective with hopefully understanding and tolerance. We're aimed at addressing the power imbalance instead of avoiding it. Of course, we will come at the subject from many angles. The abuse of legitimate power and the misuse of perceived power. It may be helpful to use a personal and professional lens to understand what it means to push back and find your voice and when it's appropriate. We should also be mindful of our own power and suitable use and squander. The word mindful may be the buzzword of the decade, but it really is the key to understanding. Mindfulness, a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. It's about being aware from all angles, taking into account all involved. Ready to tip the scales in an attempt to find balance? I had a friend ask me to do a show on bullying. I haven't done one before, so of course I agreed. When one hears the word bullying or to bully, the first thought, at least for me, is the big boy on the playground picking on the smaller boy. It dawned on me, even though that was my first thought, it was in no way a representation of all the facets of the subject, and in fact, is much too narrow of a view. So I looked up the definition. Seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. With my first impression of bullying, I can say, I don't have any firsthand knowledge. As a child, I was always, for the most part, self-confident and extroverted. I might have been viewed as a leader instead of a follower. I can't recall a time where someone picked on me, at least to the point that it did harm or that I carried it as a memory with me. But when I consider the actual definition, seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable, I can think of many times that I've been or have attempted to be coerced. In an attempt to seek harm, hmm, I'm not sure intentional or not, it could be viewed as harmful. Perceived as vulnerable? Anytime someone is uninformed, they are vulnerable. So if you want to split hairs, and I think we should for this purpose, then yes. With this new perspective on the definition, I can safely say we've all been involved in a power imbalance at one point or another. Now, I'm not going to trash or bash the news and social media, even if I've mentioned them, or go on a political tangent. Coercion is all around us. My goal is to shed some light and new perspectives that we can take on our journey of self-discovery. Knowledge is is power. I think we can all start there. First, let's explore professionally. 
Dr. Shauna Waters adds to our knowledge pools with feeling uneasy? Here's what workplace coercion looks like in an article she wrote for BetterUp.com. As much as an organization tries to create positive company culture, negative workplace dynamics can happen. I think we can all agree. Differences in management style and even personalities can lead to abuse of power. This can lead to workplace coercion. But what is coercion? Is coercion illegal? And why is coercion bad? Put simply, coercion is forcing someone to do something by making threats. It's an attempt to control a person's behavior with force or manipulation. In the workplace, coercion can be used to force employees to behave a certain way or do certain things. It's an unhealthy workplace dynamic that can have serious negative consequences for an individual's well-being and for the organization as a whole. Let's take a deeper look at how to prevent different types of coercion from happening at work. A typical workplace often has hierarchical structure. Because of this, there are many opportunities for misuse or abuse of power. Having employees on various levels with different powers lends itself to potential problems. Workplace coercion, also called workplace intimidation, happens when a person in a position of authority uses their power as leverage. By pulling rank, they influence the behavior of those within their power. A workplace coercion example could be a new or old manager threatening an employee with suspension. The employee can avoid suspension if they carry out tasks that aren't part of their job description. These tasks could be something like running personal errands for the manager. People in lower status positions are unlikely to retaliate against coercion. They fear losing their job or receiving negative backlash or a negative performance review. Workplace coercion isn't a one-size-fits-all situation. Coercive behavior can involve psychological, emotional, sexual, or physical manipulation. Additionally, not all of the forms are easy to recognize. They may be so subtle it's hard to pinpoint them. So here are seven forms of coercion to help you identify it. Number one, physical. Physical coercion is when a workplace authority uses their physical body to threaten or control a subordinate's behavior. This can happen in the form of physical harassment, like pushing or hitting. It could also be someone invading your personal space and making you feel threatened and unsafe. Another form of physical coercion is the obstruction or removal of physical property. Number two, deceptive. Deception is the act of intentionally obscuring the truth to trick someone. This form of coercion may cause a person in power to lie to their subordinates to control their behavior. Number three, manipulative. Manipulation is a form of social coercion that can occur in any work relationship. A person of authority might manipulate others by using passive, aggressive, underhanded tactics. This makes others feel compelled to do or say things against their will. Number four, sexual. As of 2020, 72% of workplace sexual assaults went unreported. 
Sexual coercion involves one person manipulating another person into engaging in sexual behavior. This type of coercion can take many forms. It can be blatant or more subtle, such as sending lewd emails or unwanted touching. Number five, isolating. Fear of isolation can be a powerful incentive. Some figures in authority might use loneliness as a weapon of maintaining control over a person's behavior or self-esteem. Forcefully separating an employee from other workers may make them feel isolated or lonely. This is a form of workplace coercion. Number six, humiliating. The social power that a manager or boss possess can be very compelling to employees. Outwardly, making fun of or humiliating someone at work is bullying and can leave victims feeling weak. This is a form of coercive behavior. Number seven, gaslighting. Gaslighting is a common form of emotional abuse. It involves a person causing someone to question the validity of their concerns or even their reality in general. If an employee feels bullied at work, the bully in question might be gaslighting them. They'll be made to feel silly or irrational for even acknowledging the behavior, let alone thinking it's wrong. This helps the bully to maintain control over the situation. Many people wonder if workplace coercion is illegal. The answer is yes. Workplace coercion is a recognizable offense and requires legal action. But there are specific requirements for what constitutes as illegal. Workplace coercion can be complex and difficult to find evidence for. Because of the power that often surrounds coercers, they're usually well protected when it comes to accusations in the law. So here are three ways in which coercion may be considered illegal. Number one, criminal assault. The exact definition of assault varies by state and jurisdiction, but it can be generally defined as intentionally putting someone in a state of anticipation for imminent harm. It often looks like physical intimidation, harmful physical contact, threats, otherwise aggressive behavior, Criminal assault can lead to prosecution. This is true regardless of whether or not the victim of the assault is physically harmed. This illegal offense can be taken just as seriously without physical violence. Number two, sexual harassment. Sexual harassment is any sexual activity that a person has not consented to. Often people will either subject it upon others or be subjected to it without realizing how serious and illegal the offense really is. Examples of sexual harassment could include telling sexually oriented jokes, displaying sexually degrading pictures, making offensive sexual comments, pressuring others to engage in sexual activity, making unwelcome sexual advances of any kind. Number three. Illegal discrimination. Discrimination is the prejudicial treatment of a group of people. It's most commonly on the grounds of race, sex, disability, sexual orientation, class, religion, or age. 60% of American employees have witnessed workplace discrimination on the basis of race, age, gender, 
or LGBT plus identity. Workplace discrimination can take the following forms. Job refusal, unequal pay, targeted jokes, favoritism, exclusion or isolation by colleagues, denial of training opportunities, being given unrealistic or impossible tasks. There are many consequences that victims of workplace coercion may suffer from. The stress of being bullied by a colleague or superior can take its toll on both the body and the mind. Let's take a look at some repercussions of coercion in the workplace environment. Number one, physical symptoms. Many people develop adverse physical effects when dealing with a lot of stress. Being threatened with coercive power is a taxing experience. Some bodies may respond by developing sleep disorders, digestive issues, high blood pressure. Number two, depression and low self-esteem. Mental well-being is easily affected by stressful situations like workplace bullying or intimidation. A lack of self-confidence may develop, as well as a tendency toward depression or anxiety. This makes things like focus and concentration difficult to maintain. It also prevents a sense of belonging in the workplace. Number three, harm to the victim's workplace reputation. Speaking up about a toxic workplace dynamic can come at a very high cost for the victim. This can be especially true with the dynamic between a subordinate and a superior. The consequence of a victim reaching out for support may be a solid reputation or even job loss. Number four, low productivity. Victims of coercion or intimidation are likely to become distracted by their situation and feel uncomfortable in their workplace surroundings. This pulls them away from their professional tasks and brings productivity levels down. They may spend more time fretting and networking for support. They'll also look for ways to defend themselves and avoid their bullying. Number five, anxiety and fear of coming to work. Nobody wants to go to work when they know a long day of manipulation and extreme stress awaits them. Victims of coercion and intimidation are highly likely to develop anxiety around work. They often seek ways to avoid the workplace as much as possible for a fear of mistreatment. Now, I know we're all racking our brains and mentally putting ourselves in every situation. Did this happen to me? Again, we are arming ourselves moving forward. It's a fine line professionally. Some of us may have found ourselves in these situations and been afraid to speak up. I need this job. I don't want to get fired. So don't spend precious time worrying about what happened in the past. Additionally, this new light shed was not to push you into action in your current situation or have you overanalyzing each new encounter. The information is to inform you as to what others think on the subject, which might help you determine a positive situation from a negative one. Beyond that, you have to decide for yourself what is healthy and what is unhealthy. As a culture, we are learning and growing as well. Some things which might have been permissible to enforce in the 50s wouldn't fly today. 
An amusing pastime is to watch retro sitcoms to identify all the faux pas that wouldn't be permissible in today's world. Have you picked up on some of those? Right or wrong, you don't know what you don't know. So how can we carry this thought into our personal lives? How can coercion impact your personal relationships? Cindy Lamuth helps answer this question in How to Recognize Coercive Control, found at Healthline.com. Coercive control is a strategic form of ongoing oppression and terrorism used to instill fear. The abuser will use tactics like limiting access to money or monitoring all communication as a controlling effort. While this form of abuse is illegal in some countries, including the United Kingdom, since 2015, it's not been considered illegal in the United States unless a crime has been committed. Anyone can express coercive control, but it's often grounded in gender-based privilege. Between 60 and 80% of women seeking assistance for abuse have experienced coercive control. Here's a look at 12 major signs of coercive control, along with some resources that can help you out of a bad situation. Number one, isolating you from your support system. A controlling partner will try to cut off you from friends and family or limit contact with them so you don't receive the support you need. This comes from Dr. Callie Estes, a clinical psychologist. Here are a few ways that they do this. Suggesting shared phone and social media accounts for convenience. Air quotes in there. Moving you far away from your family so it's hard to visit them. Fabricating lies about you to others. Monitoring all your phone calls with your family and cutting the line off if anyone tries to intervene. Convincing you that your family hates you and doesn't want to talk to you. Number two, monitoring your activity throughout the day. Abusers pursue coercive control through attempts to make themselves omnipresent. This comes from Dr. Wendy Patrick. She's a career trial attorney and expert in criminal law. They do this by wiring your house with cameras or recording devices, sometimes using two-way surveillance to speak to you at home during the day. This invasive surveillance often extends to private areas like the bedroom or even the bathroom, adding an element of humiliation to what is already clearly a boundary violation. All of this allows them to add elements of control and also serve as a reminder that they're watching you. Number three, denying you freedom and autonomy. Someone exerting coercive control might try to control your freedom of movement and independence. Some methods include not allowing you to go to work or school, restricting your access to transportation, stalking your every move when you're out, taking your phone and changing all your passwords. Number four, gaslighting, which we heard about professionally before. The abuser must always be right, and they will force the victim to acknowledge this. They'll manipulate, lie, and gaslight to get their way and convince you that you're wrong. Here's an example. Say your partner comes home from work expecting dinner to be served. They said they wanted steak before they left. 
When you serve dinner, they might throw it on the floor and scream and yell and say they wanted burgers, complaining that you're too stupid to follow simple directions. You then find yourself questioning your own memory, apologizing, and then remaking dinner. Number five, name-calling and putting you down. Malicious put-downs, name-calling, and frequent criticisms are all forms of bullying behavior. They're designed to make you feel unimportant and deficient. This comes from Dr. Melissa Hamilton, a criminologist and expert in domestic abuse. Number six, limiting your access to money. Controlling finances is a way of restricting your freedom and ability to leave the relationship. Some ways they'll try to exert financial control includes placing you on a strict budget and barely covering your essentials like food or clothes, limiting your access to bank accounts, hiding financial resources, preventing you from having a credit card, rigorously monitoring what you spend. Number seven, reinforcing traditional gender roles. Regardless of the type of relationship you have, your partner may try to make a distinction between who functions as the man and the woman in the relationship. They'll attempt to justify that women are homemakers and mothers, while men are the breadwinners. Using this argument, they may coerce you into taking care of all the cleaning, cooking, and childcare. Number eight, turning your kids against you. If you have children, either with the abuser or someone else, they may try to weaponize the children against you by telling them that you're a bad parent or belittling you in front of them. This attitude can create a rift in the relationship between you and your kids and make you feel powerless. Number nine, controlling aspects of your health and body. They'll monitor and control how much you eat, sleep, or spend time in the bathroom. Your abuser may require you to count calories after every meal or adhere to a strict exercise regimen. They may also control which medications you're allowed to take and whether you go for medical care or not. You may feel as though you're always walking on eggshells and that your body is no longer your own. Number 10 making jealous accusations. Jealously complaining about the amount of time you spend with your family and friends, both on and offline, is a way for them to phase out and minimize your contact with the outside world. They might also do this in an effort to make you feel guilty. Number 11, regulating your sexual relationship. Abusers might make demands about the amount of times you have sex each week and the kinds of activities you perform. They may also demand to take sexual pictures or videos of you or refuse to wear a condom. The victims may come to an understanding that if they don't comply with their perpetrator's demands or desires, then they may face significant consequences. Number 12, threatening your children or pets. According to Hamilton, if physical, emotional, or financial threats don't work as desired, your abusers may try to use threats against others in an attempt to control you. For example, your kids or pets may be at risk. This can look like making violent threats against them, threatening to call social services and say you're neglecting or abusing your children when you aren't, 
intimidating you by threatening to make important decisions about your kids without your consent, threatening to kidnap your children or get rid of your pet. Coercive control is a pernicious form of domestic abuse that entraps you in a hostage-like situation. Regardless of the history with your abuser, even if it includes some happy moments, you don't deserve this treatment. Getting out of an abusive relationship can be complex, even more so when children are involved. But with a bit of planning, you can make a safe exit from the situation. Maintain communication with your support system whenever possible. This is important regardless of your abuser's displeasure. You should also make sure family and friends have all of your contact information and check in on a regular basis. Call a domestic violence hotline regularly. Keep track of where your nearest public phone is and periodically weigh out your options with a professional. Practice how to get out safely and practice often. If you have kids, teach your kids to identify a safe place like a friend's house or the library where they can go for help and how to call the police. Have a safety plan. When you decide to leave, victims should have a plan regarding where to go and who to stay with. Recognizing the initial period of separation might be the most dangerous in terms of the abusers attempting to reconcile through both legal and illegal conduct. Okay, that just got real, but it's so important to explore it from that angle. There are many in relationships that by all standards are deemed abusive. But because of some of these tactics, have yet to recognize the warning signs. If you're in a coercive situation, whether professionally or personally, it's important to seek support. Start taking steps to detach from ideas and opinions forced on you and start listening to yourself. Your voice may be timid and hard to hear, so be patient. Get into a safe space, be it a support group or with a trusted accountability partner, and start talking. Work through your ideas aloud. Hearing yourself audibly is far more powerful and productive than letting your mind run away or discount your own thoughts. You may not know what you like or what's important to you. You may even have trouble formulating your opinions on any subject. Not to worry. It's in there, even if you haven't been allowed to express it until now. It's time you let your voice be heard. And when you feel more confident, you can gently assert it beyond your safe place. are powerful, and Ariel Guzman helps us realize this with Choose Wisely, how our words impact others. When it comes to living an altruistic lifestyle, a lot can be said for what we say. As author Yudeberg states, words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. The words we choose and how we choose them can build others up or tear them down, bringing the community together or ripping it apart. Our words are powerful and should be treated with respect. So how do your words impact others? 
And how can we choose them wisely? Your words have meaning. The greatest mistake we can make is believing our words have no value in other people's lives. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and, for whatever reason, can still remember it practically verbatim years down the road? Now consider a similar conversation in someone else's life. Your words could be the ones they have in their head. The words we choose mean something. Whether that meaning is positive or negative is up to you. If you want to live altruistically and make an impact on the world, try starting with the daily words you choose. How do you talk to others, to yourself, to your superiors, to your inferiors? When we recognize the value of our words, we take the first step in bettering our community. Your words are remembered. If words have meaning, then they are definitely remembered. Consider the child in class whose teacher tells him he's never going to be as good of a student as his older sister. This comment, which could mean nothing to the teacher, will always be remembered by the child. In contrast, think of the child whose teacher tells him how much she believes in him. Even a simple comment can forever make an impact, either uplifting or defeating. To live an altruistic life is to recognize our words aren't just for today. They're for every day after today. What you say now could be remembered for years to come, so choose carefully. Your words make a difference. Words are powerful. Think of powerful words throughout history which have had a lasting difference in our world. Four score and seven years ago. I have a dream. Tear down this wall. Our words, when chosen correctly, can make a positive contribution in our lives and the lives of those around us. Words filter through us and seep into our community, where they're absorbed, then reasserted by others to people they know. When we recognize the power of our words, we see the impact they can have, and we choose them based on what kind of difference we want to make. Speak with mindfulness. So how can we choose our words wisely? By being mindful of those we use and the effects they have. Mindfulness is more than just thinking before speaking. It's recognizing the people around us and promoting a more compassionate society through our language of choice. Rather than speaking out emotionally and uncontrollably on any issue, mindfulness means giving careful consideration and thought to how our words could impact others. It means recognizing poor language choices and readjusting to live a more loving life. To live altruistically means to first speak altruistically. The words you choose in your life have meaning. They're remembered. They make a difference. When we recognize the power of words, we can harness the power to be a force for good in the community around us. When we speak with mindfulness, we create a more positive and altruistic world. So go ahead, get out there and choose wisely. So often we only look at what we say from our point of view. We deliver little bombs and then we walk away never knowing what becomes of their power. If they infected serious damage, coerced someone in a harmful way, or changed their own day's trajectory. 
But whatever happened, we got to say what we wanted and we were heard. Now the world will know where you stand on any subject. Bravo to you! I find it ironic that inclusivity is a hot topic of discussion and fever. Yet by judging people who do not believe the same, they are in fact going against the idea of being inclusive. We may never all be on the same page, and that's okay. Meeting people where they are and helping them with the burdens they carry today seems a more lucrative act of kindness and compassion. Your words carry power, not only for others, but first and foremost, for yourself. Team Soul over at I'mFearlessSoul.com reminds us of that. This is how powerful your words are. Be careful what you speak into your life. Words matter. Your words mixed with your beliefs blend to become your reality. What you speak over your life is what your life will become. If you're always talking about how you're stuck where you are, how you can't find a way out of this situation, how you never get any luck, how you'll never be wealthy, well, guess what? You're right. You'll never have those things if that's what you say and that's what you believe. If you don't believe it, you won't even try it. Every time you speak negativity over your life, your life gets more what? Negative. Every time you speak strength into your life, your life gets a little stronger. Every time you speak something over yourself, that belief grows stronger in your life. Soon, it becomes who you are. Words matter. So be very careful with your words. You must speak your dreams into existence. And more than just speaking them, you must believe and trust those blessings are coming. Instead of saying, I don't know how to do it, say, I'm committed to learning how to do it. Instead of saying, I always procrastinate, never get anything done. Say, I'm going to find something that matters to me more than anything, and then I'm going to get the job done. Instead of saying, I'm a failure, say, I've failed. I've learned the lesson, and when I become a huge success, that failure is going to make one heck of a story. Instead of saying, my best days are behind me, say, my best is yet to come. Instead of believing others are born lucky or with special gifts, know that you are capable of anything. Know that you can study and commit to learning from great people. Know that you can become a great person in your own right. Every day, look in the mirror and say, I am a great person. I am a kind person. I am strong. I am capable of anything. I am growing each day. I am committed. I am determined. I have no limits. I can have the health and the body of my choice. I will have the health and body of my choice. I can have the wealth of my choice. I will have the wealth of my choice. 
I do deserve abundance. I am more than worthy. I can make a huge difference in others' lives. I will make that difference. Gandhi said, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. When you start blending your beliefs and your words together, they become so powerful you can move mountains. You are the creator of your destiny and it starts with the words you speak into your life. Speak positive things into your life, strong things. Speak love and happiness into your life and you will notice more love and happiness. Speak good of others and you'll see more good. Speak your dreams into existence. Believe your dreams will become reality. Act and live as though they are and they soon will be. Muhammad Ali said he would be the greatest. And what happened? He became the greatest. He had no doubt in his mind. That is the same level of certainty you should speak into your dreams. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am wise. Opportunities are everywhere. Money flows with ease. Joy is everywhere. I'm attracting such amazing people into my life. I am blessed. I am surrounded by blessings. I have more than enough. I am full of energy. I am strong. I am fit. I am such a positive influence to those around me. I have amazing friends. I am abundant. I'm constantly growing my income. I'm constantly growing myself. I'm constantly getting healthier, stronger, fitter. My relationships are getting stronger every day. Love and joy are everywhere. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but your words, they are more powerful. They can shatter your dreams. Your beliefs Thoughts and words will, I guarantee you, determine your destiny. Whatever you believe is your limit, is your limit. Daily affirmations are helpful because they reprogram your mind, your thoughts, and your beliefs. Some of the most successful people on earth practice daily affirmations. If you're doing it consistently, every single day, in the morning, before you start your day, You will begin to develop new beliefs and your life will start to change before your eyes. If it's not natural at first, if it feels like words aren't believable, stick with it. The goal is to feel as though you already have the things that you want. As you speak the words, feel as though you are already that person. Whatever words work for you, write them down, your own affirmations. And read them every day. The key, repetition and feeling the words. If they get old, freshen them up with something more powerful and meaningful. (music) 
As we bring the show to a close, let's go over the top 10 key highlights from The Power Imbalance, Addressing versus Avoiding. Number one, anytime someone is uninformed, they are vulnerable. Number two, coercion is forcing someone to do something by making threats. It's an attempt to control a person's behavior with force or manipulation. Number three, malicious put-downs, name-calling, and frequent criticisms are all forms of bullying behavior. Number four, coercive control is a pernicious form of domestic abuse that entraps you in a hostage-like situation. Number five, if you're in a coercive situation, whether professionally or personally, it's important to seek support. Number six, words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. Number seven, the greatest mistake we can make is believing our words have no value in other people's lives. Number eight, words filter through us and seep into our community where they are absorbed, then reinserted by others to people they know. Number nine, meeting people where they are and helping them with the burdens they carry today seems a more lucrative act of kindness and compassion. And number 10, what you speak over your life is what your life will become. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, find your voice and speak life and love into others as well as over your own life. The power imbalance shifts when you expose the discrepancies while gaining knowledge about your own thoughts and opinions. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone's through until the path was clear. That's why.